Hello and welcome to End Goals, an LCMS Youth Ministry podcast. I'm host Reverend Mark Kiesling and I'm with DCE Juliana Schultz. And we are here to bring parents, church workers, and lay leaders discussions and resources to help your youth ministry meet its end goal, which is young people who are disciples of Jesus Christ for life. Today we are reviewing the youth and young adult poll taken at the 2019 LCMS Youth Gathering. The youth poll has been taken by a sampling of young people at every gathering since the first one in 1980. Uh, The idea here is to gauge the beliefs, attitudes, concerns of young people as both sort of a snapshot of that moment and then longitudinally over time. Uh, This has given us a wealth of data and uh, a longitudinal study that spans decades, which is really fantastic for us to go back and track. Uh, trends over time. Um, Certainly some of the questions have changed. Uh, We've adapted some of the answers. So uh, there's some variation there. Uh, But there really is some very interesting trends for us to highlight for you. If only we are asking about Facebook usage in 1980. I know, or if we could have started earlier on that. And, and truly, like, I, I think over time, we've gotten better about how mm-hmm. to ask questions, right. too. And so some of the answers have changed in part just because we're trying to be um, fair and clear um, over time. But that does a, adjust how we understand what that trend looks like. Absolutely. And, and for some of those trends, we give thanks. Um, but certainly we can see, too, and be honest, that some trends we have concern about, um, but it gives us insight to how we can serve our young people and per- perhaps focus specifically on some teaching or, like you said, some language things uh, to help um, have that conversation with our young people. Uh, this poll gives us information that we can share with churches as well about areas to focus um, and either that are becoming maybe critical or places where youth are feeling confident as well. Um, and it helps LCMS Youth Ministry develop resources and target in on topics that we want to help train youth leaders to address. So the church can give answers to the questions and issues that the world outside the church may be throwing at our youth that cause concerns and doubts. So just a little bit about the logistics. The pool of those who take the survey uh, of the youth represent a good-sized portion of the youth who attend the youth gathering. For example, in 2019, the pool represented about 6% of all youth participants. So from the standpoint of thinking like a scientific-sized pool, um, it's definitely there. Um, But however, we are clear to say that we don't take the results to by themselves represent an average typical LCMS young person or even a typical attendee of the LCMS youth gathering because the survey is not done in a scientific way in the sense of a random sampling um, or we don't compare it against the result against the registration data. So for example, we might have a higher percentage of people from one state take the survey over youth who actually attend the gathering or who are within the LCMS. So we are careful to say that. We're not trying to make that distinct connection to an average young person, but yet still we get really good data from it. Yeah, I think it's, it goes back to that first podcast we did with Ryan about like what kind of questions you might ask about the data. Yeah. And these are some limitations. It's enough of a sample. It's enough young people. Six um, percent is actually pretty decent. Some And like we've had larger samples in the past as well um, for us to be able to talk about this confidently. But it's obviously not a pure random sampling of LCMS adults yeah. across the country. Uh, it's limited by the gathering. And it's also limited by kind of uh, self-selection, right? So the only people who take it are the people who select to take it. Um, so uh, we have to we have to recognize that there's some certainly some limitations there. But we'll also reference the young adult poll that's only been done in the last two gatherings. So starting in 2016, uh, we did a survey with our young adult volunteers uh, who are aged 19 to 25. Uh, the majority of those who are taking that survey are in their college years. Uh, and about... Uh, 
2019, about one in five attend or graduate from a Concordia University. So again, a, a pretty interesting sampling of young adults. Again, not uh, not indicative of of every young adult across the across the synod. Um, certainly, because we have some some selection bias there, uh, but it does give us an additional reference point to compare to compare against the youth poll. So we asked very similar questions to what we asked on the youth poll, uh, but also to give some specific questions to young adults. And in 2016, what we found is in part is what led us to the 2017 millennials in the LCMS survey. So uh, what we found in that first survey was interesting enough that like we really dug in after that. Um, and then in 2019, it was fun to go back and as a part of their uh their orientation to the gathering got to share, hey, you guys sparked this really great conversation that led to a study that led to a book. And and now you can get that book um, and read more about it. So that's been really fun. So we're going to dive into some of the things we saw, particularly in 2019, and then reference some of the longitudinal trends that we see uh, that will connect to that 2019 data. And the first thing uh, we continue to be excited about is continues to be true over time that the young people in our youth poll uh, report fewer risky behaviors than we would see necessarily in, in just a standard population survey. So uh, they're taking in and doing uh, fewer riskier behaviors than we would typically see. Yeah, and so some of those places where we see that, um, particularly in 2019, uh, we see that alcohol use is very low amongst our young people, and it was really down even um, going ahead. So uh, but that's one of those longitudinal things as well. I mean, as you can imagine, you know, I, the years not escaping me right now when the drinking age changed. I mean, you could certainly see that being a difference in our young people with that alcohol, something like that. Um, very positive trend for our young people. Yeah. And, and thinking about how we can see how something like the drinking age changing mm -hmm. changes our data. Yeah. Um, We've adjusted the question about drug use quite a bit over time, which is interesting uh, because we saw it go down in the early 2000s. In part, uh, we think because uh, people really stopped considering marijuana a drug, that that became kind of a, a wiggle space where they were saying um, that, that marijuana usage was, was not drug usage, uh, whereas maybe in years before it had had clearly been considered that culturally. Uh, and then in 2016, we asked about marijuana separately from other drug use. Uh, and we saw that number of marijuana use trend up uh, in part, we think, because it's, there's some legalization happening now, clearly they're not uh, a, Many of them are not above the age of, of being able to do that legally still, uh, but but the legalization is changing the perspective, the cultural um, nuance around marijuana. Um, and, and so we can see kind of numbers of drug use going up, but also with some explanation of why we might see that in our young people and still fairly low in terms of that. And so as we're going to talk about a lot of how our young people may reflect what's going on in their culture, sometimes that's a positive thing. And so one of those areas is that in our doing this poll, we see fewer teens who are sexually active. Um, however, one thing we want to lift up and for high school youth ministry to still be teaching the truth and God's word is that there is an increasing belief that premarital sex is okay. Um, we don't necessarily know why this is in all cases, but we have maybe a few insights that we might lift up as ways to talk about this. Yeah, so in part, we wonder if that's part of the, the changing nature of relationships in high school right now. Uh, we could see kind of broadly culturally that many young people are changing their social habits, um, spending less time together physically, like 
going out on dates and actually are, are, are statistically putting off serious dating until later in life. Um, and so uh, we're seeing them not get into the kinds of relationships that would lead to, to be them being sexually active, not necessarily that are objecting to it. They're just, they're just waiting. Uh, but we did ask about sexting for the first time in 2019 uh, and saw that about 16% had sent uh, taken sexually explicit photos of themselves or someone they know and sent them to either a person or a group. And then another 4% had taken them, but not sent them. Um, so again, we, there is this kind of in between of like people, uh, young people aren't having sex, which, which is good. Uh, but also their kind of uh, attitudes about sexuality yeah. overall is getting a little more nimbulous. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And I think, and you know, again, we said at the outset we're we're careful not to like put this onto every LCMS youth ministry or every, every LCMS young person. But I mean, for me, when I look at those numbers, I mean, those add up to twenty percent. To think of one in every five of your young people are hit with that temptation or are in peer groups where they're facing that. So like, it's something you know maybe they talk about or be prepared to talk about at least um, in your high school youth ministry about what it, where is sexting and those types of things uh, playing into this new world of relationships for our young people. Right. And I, it's so interesting to me because we asked this question of the adult leaders as yeah, well. Right. And well, I don't have that number right in front of me. That, that number was not low. No, no, it was <laughs> um, not. Right. And so, so is this just something that I mean, many of us people are in uh, married relationships and going, is that a part of relationships now? And how do we understand that? And how are we talking about that? Especially when we're talking about things like leading a sexually pure and decent life. What does right. that mean for some of those things? And, and, and two, to know, I mean, that if, if those adults, you said that did it young, in their younger years, there is a place, maybe a place of empathy and sympathy to be able to talk about that. That might be an open conversation for a young person to have if it was uh, earlier in their life too as this uh, new realm of technology. Another thing too, and this comes up in a lot of different things. Um, one thing that we start to see now through the years is um, young people themselves uh, may say, yes, I'm going to live a chaste, honorable life um, from the sexual standpoint, but I have a lot harder time maybe putting that, um, I don't want to say judging, but putting that kind of standard on my friends who maybe aren't Christians. And so helping young people st stand up to their their uh the, the, the setting that uh, Holy Scripture gives us for our sexuality, but then also be able to share that with their friends too, to be able to say, hey, this isn't just for me, this is for you because God loves us and has designed us this way. Um, so helping young people wrestle with that. Yeah, we're going to see that several times as we go through this. Um, and then also, like I mentioned earlier, um, you know, we, we do know uh, that what we have in terms of this parallel question for the YAVs, right? So for the young adults who took this survey around the same time, um, we can see uh, that we don't ask them about sexual activity in part because many of them are married and that would skew the, the results a little bit. Um, but, uh, but young adults in the poll said that premarital sex was always wrong um, more often than the youth did, right? Um, so we do see, again, we'll see this several times, uh, a, a clarity and a, a closer alignment to our theology in our young adults than we necessarily see in our youth. Um, and so... It's possible that they're uh, putting out that sexual activity until college, but we should still be uh, thinking about how we're preparing them um, for the pressures and temptations that are going to be put on them in college campuses. Right. So we, we kind of talked about this um, already. So maybe let's shift here a little bit to talk about uh, one of these places that we carefully watch. And that is uh, where we see culture diverging from our Lutheran Christian beliefs. Um, 
And so these can be these places where we need to pay attention to what kinds of instruction might be helpful and how do we help parents maybe have these conversations with their young people? Um, how does the church continue to teach this post maybe confirmation? Um, and one of those interesting things that we saw specifically in this last gathering that our researcher really helped pull it out, Ryan, um, was the large increase in the answer of I don't know to questions that we would say have a clear biblical answer. Um, and we know many of these youth are coming out of confirmation where they were taught these things. Um, we know the church is teaching and teaching well, but yet you see the influence of the culture on our young people, I think, of saying they're still wrestling with it. And so it's a reminder for us um, to continue to build that confidence in our young people teaching through the high school years on some really difficult topics they're wrestling with. Some topics that are we've been wrestling with for generations or since Adam and Eve, we've been wrestling with them. Others that might be nuanced for our young people today, and they're going to continue to have those issues come up. And so how does the church continue to teach well? And I wonder a little bit if it's a good challenge for us, not as we teach young people, especially in those confirmation years, uh, to make sure that we're teaching them in a way where we are checking the, that feedback loop and saying, yeah. like, we're telling you what the church believes, but if you're still struggling with this, if you're still not sure, if you still have questions, like, how can we take that back in? How can we be processing that with you? How can we dive deeper into some topics um, rather than maybe glossing them over and saying, well, okay, you've, you've memorized the sixth commandment and you know everything we need right. to know about, about this. Uh, so we're just going to, we're going to move on um, and then have young people who then turn around and say like, I still don't feel like I know the right answer yeah. or the theological answer. Um, so we got to be really careful here. Um, I think uh, to make sure that we spend the time we need to ask the questions that mm -hmm. we need and we listen well to the responses so that we can, can, can teach these topics in a way that's in depth right. um, and meaningful. Yeah, all about being better teachers, I think, in that yeah. context. And, and, and I think we see, too, another research is that as much as it might disturb us at times, younger and younger, they're asking these hard questions, especially around, I think, these sexual yeah. issues, um, whether it's gender identity, um, whatever it might be, that, that's going to happen at a younger, younger time. So confirmation can be a really good time to do that uh, for yeah. those conversations. Yeah, another place where we would see this in particular is uh, we can see uh, that over the long term there's trend, there's been more acceptance about, of homosexuality and same-sex marriage. We haven't been asking these questions. Again, I wish we would have asked these questions back in the 80s, but uh, that's relatively relatively newer question. Um, we've asked it for uh, probably the last last half of the time that we've done the survey. Um, and, and similar questions with our young adults where we're likely to, to respond more in agreement with the church, right? So um, we know that there's some time in those high school years where we, uh, we have young people who are still, um, I think perhaps like you, you said it earlier, um, not willing to, to lay um, down truth in a way that, that um, would hurt a relationship with people, uh, which I can understand, but also that makes them uh, less confident in standing up for what they believe in. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, one of the areas that we've, is one of those areas we have asked about since the inception of the survey was about uh, life issues, like around abortion and things like that. And uh, our young people are, are very pro-life in their convictions. Um, and it's even trend higher over the years as well. Now, that's it is a question we've asked a little bit differently over the years, uh, but yet nonetheless, we see um, some great things there in the data.
Uh, and then kind of longitudinally, we can see um, a slow, we'll call it a slow creep <laughs> mm-hmm. of increase in uh, acceptance of pluralism, so acceptance of different religions, um, where uh, we're okay, uh, a creep in terms of accepting different or false teaching from other denominations. Um, that's mostly unchanged, right? While we see some things that might make us a little uh, uh, concerned, it is encouraging that when we ask questions, um, they can clearly articulate that Jesus is the only way to salvation, that the Bible is the true word of God. Uh, These very core Lutheran doctrine, uh, Christian doctrine questions, their huge majority are on the money. They know what they believe. Um, and so that is always an encouragement. Uh, and it is really interesting that um, we can we can kind of compare and contrast um, that with the young adults. And young adults do tend to even skew even closer to our theology on more issues and then become even stronger in terms of, of understanding our doctrine and, and what we believe and can teach and confess. And so um, we have a couple of answers why that might be. <laughs> Part of that may be that some of these issues are ones where young people choose to leave the church because of those issues. And so uh, we pray that there's continued relationship building and there's continued dialogue that the Holy Spirit can use to bring them back to the church. Um, But also uh, we, we hope that some of that is just increased teaching over time as, as they develop in adolescence that helps them solidify some of those beliefs. Yeah. I I think that's one of the things, you know, it was one of those questions we still walked away from all, the research that we saw, and you go back to why, I mean, how this 2016 YAV survey kind of kicked this whole thing off is to see um, these young adults who are very much um, connected to the church, um, their beliefs in line with what the church teaches. Um, and then, so our question was a little bit, well, how will we see some of the slippage in young adult or in youth years, excuse me, when they're in high school? And then we look at them as young adults. Is that, like I said, are those people who are stepping away? Are those again the Holy Spirit's working through teaching, engagement, relationships, that type of thing, to where they stay connected um, and and then see the uh, and confess the truth of Scripture? And so that's we wish we had answers to how that happens exactly <laughs> to be able to tell the oh, truth. Wait, I like how we came in with that question yeah. and we still lost with still it. Have, we didn't right. get it. Like right, I I still don't think we have a, a clear picture, we, and I think we wouldn't unless we had much more direct contact with right. people who exactly the church. But but the um, but the dad helps to see it to say like. Wow, you, it's really cool to see the Holy Spirit work through meaningful relationships and teaching uh, when youth are wrestling through these really tough issues. Um, and so it's it's amazing to see. We have amazing God that does uh, really cool things uh, with our young people. So uh, that was always a hopeful thing for us to see amongst bringing all these different areas of research together. Yeah. Uh, we did ask some questions that were new for 2019. So we typically do this with like um, switch questions in and out, depending on uh, what are key topics we want to know about in that in that particular cycle. And so we did see that uh, 24% of teens currently said they had some kind of leadership role in their congregation. Some of those I think they indicated were more like service uh, opportunities, but they felt um, like they had some ownership and some leadership within that. Uh, we went into more detail on service and leadership with our young adults and found that 27% of them were in some kind of service role and then another 12% were in a leadership role. So we hope these number grows, but uh, they're super encouraging to see how many young people um, are engaged in leadership and service in their congregations. We wanted to get an idea too, just kind of about the overall busyness of our young people um, in terms of the time that they're spending in sports and extracurriculars and, and homework and volunteering and those youth ministry and church activities too. 
to kind of gauge that a little bit to compare to some other research that was out there and questions that we certainly received um, from uh, practitioners. And shocker, our young people are busy. <laughs> they're, they're very really active. busy. Yeah, really busy. Oof. They're active in a lot of different things. And and again, Ryan Cornett, um, our, our key analyst, did a really look at some of that data. Was even kind of able to break out to a group of of where often those uh, who are most busy, um, and they can be busy in multiple areas. Um, and so one thing that we saw was uh, maybe a little disappointing was that 70, 74% of young people spend uh, less than two hours in youth ministry and 52% spend less than two hours in church ministry. And so it's a good reminder for us um, about how we need to be investing time in parents and for our parents to be teaching about vocation. So that again, it's limited time that like the, the church might have interaction with our young people, but parents have great opportunities to be teaching their young people because they're the ones that are walking with them every day through these other many vocational responsibilities that they have. So I uh, was really good there. And then a positive about the time commitment was though, in fact, that youth and young adults and their parents too are regular in worship. And we saw that in a lot of different research too and things that we've done internal to the LCMS. So the part of the Christian life that is a, that is a key time is to receive Christ's gifts at worship connect to Christian community and to then, then to be strengthened for their daily lives. So again, how can congregations make the most time of that with their young people? Because again, we see overwhelmingly they're highly active um, in that worship time. Um, and so a good reminder for congregations. Yeah, it's, it is amazing to see how much fun they commit to, to different activities. And yet, um, still so good, good spot for us to be thinking about how we help them think about priorities and vocation and those kinds of activities. Uh, I, I'd love that we saw that 59% of youth agreed that teens were a priority at their church. Yep. I love that. Yep, right. um, that they felt like they were um, something that was valued and important within their congregation. Um, such a little thing, but a big impact. Um, and then 81% agreed that their pastor cares for them personally, which is just uh, says lovely things about our LCMS pastors and the work that they're doing, um, not just uh, having young people in their church, but making sure that those young people know uh, that they're cared about. It was really interesting that the number of people who said their pastors care about them personally, uh, it was a higher for guys than it was for girls. Uh, girls were more likely to say, I don't know. Um, but I, I, you know, maybe that's just a part of that knowing we need to have supportive adults of all <laughs> genders yeah. and all different kinds of people engaging with young people. Yeah. I wonder that. I mean, I think, you know, I think maybe congregations are doing, you know, maybe some small group stuff in confirmation or not, you know, you're probably going to do gender specific. So might be more natural that males are going to have more connections with their pastor that way. And I think there might be kind of some just like, how do we communicate that? Um, but I think it's something to lift up. I it kind of jumped off the page to me to say, how are we making sure there's other adults that are expressing that care uh, for our female members, um, as well as how can pastors find ways uh, to appropriately do that um, and to make sure that they know that they are loved by their by their pastor and uh, the leaders of the church. Yeah. Absolutely. And that maybe ties to this next one where we see that 79% said they either had kind of or absolutely had an adult at church with whom yeah. they felt safe. It was it was safe to talk. And so um, even if maybe their relationship with their pastor isn't amazing, uh, they, hopefully they have another adult alongside who they do have that great relationship with. And, and often that's important for them to have, just as important for them to have other adults who are walking alongside them. So to see a really high number of that um, is, is fantastic. Now, 
again, this is one of those asterisks things, um, both for the pastoral thing and uh, for the support priority in their church and for those adults is to remember that they're taking this at a time when they're literally <laughs> with their adults 24-7, right? right. right? Um, they're in the middle of an event where adults are spending very deliberate and active time with them. Yes. Uh, and, and we have many pastors who come with their groups to the right. gathering. And so their pastor may be spending very deliberate and specific time with them and their congregation may have just helped support them in many and various ways to get them to the gathering. And so I would I would argue maybe these are a little artificially inflated, maybe a lot artificially inflated, right? But truly, again, even if they are inflated, this tells us that these kinds of activities, yeah. uh, whether it's the National Youth Gathering or Higher Things or another national event or a, a district event, this kind of time and effort they put into those young people does have a really huge impact. And I was going to say, we, we like to talk about the gathering, that it's more than the five days. And I think that yeah. this is one of these momentum things to say, boy, you just you spent a really intense time building relationships with these young people. Yes, you're not going to be able to continue at the same level of intensity, maybe. But yet, nonetheless, you, how, how, you were ready to dump them back in their homes right, at the end of this. Right. You're like, I, I, nobody wants to see you. Right. Yeah. But, but truly. How do, you, how do you carry that on to some degree and to keep building those relationships? So I think that's one of those things that, you know, even with it being inflated, I think it still like shows, though, like you said, like here's a here's a place where you can either reengage or continue on those relationships um, because of the time that happens there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, 33% of both teens and young adults, interesting that's the same percentage in both, uh, yeah. have struggled with mental health issues in the last year. We added this question for young adults in 2016, saw a really uh, interesting uh, piece in that, and so then added it to the youth poll in 2019. Uh, so we'll see that. And then 48%, I'm sorry, 58% of young adults and 50% of teens have had a close friend or a family member struggle with a mental health issue in the last year. So just really good reminders that um, this mental health is not uh, exclusive to people outside of the church. It's happening in your congregation. Um, young people are really struggling in many and various ways with, uh, with anxiety, with depression, with um, eating disorders, with other places and spaces where their mental health is struggling. And so um, good reminders to make sure that you have access to resources. So whether that's access to professional help and counselors, whether that's um, crisis and uh, texting lines, whether that's um, something like mental health first aid, like we talked about in the previous podcast, if you want more information on that, maybe just go back to that previous podcast that we had about uh, helping with mental health and listen to that again. Um, but truly, like, I think this is going to continue to be one of those issues that the church is going to have to really start to wrestle with. Uh, more strongly and resource more strongly. Mm -hmm. I, th I think it shows, you know, too, where the culture can be helpful. We're talking about this more in general, I think, in the culture. And so I think there's more of, of a willingness to talk about it. Um, and so the church can be a place there to respond with grace um, and love for our young people. Absolutely. One of those places where we saw a question change dramatically over time. <laughs> yes. uh, there's not often a dramatic change, but this is one of them, which is back in 1980, we were asking people if they took their Bibles to, to school with them yeah. as sort of this indication of whether or not they're uh, actively engaging in their faith life um, daily and at school. Um, and we changed the answer uh, options for the answers to 2016. And now we definitely have it. 48% of them respond that they use a digital Bible rather than a physical. Wow. One. 
So um, they would not be carrying their Bibles no, to school, not because they're not reading their scripture, but because it's happening on their phone. And so uh, I, I, I do think this is going to be an interesting wrestling for, for youth workers to say, like, I want you to put your phone away, but if also your phone is the place yes. where you're keeping notes for your Bible, <laughs> like, how do I figure that? Out. It's, it's a way to like shut down every app except for the Bible app or something. We need yeah. youth group mode <laughs> where like where where you can get into just the things we need you to get into. Um, I think I might need that. Right, <laughs> <laughs> that too. Right, um, or just being being conscientious of the fact like I've gotten almost all to a digital Bible yeah, too, yep. and I highlight and I take notes and I um, I listen to it uh, read to me. Um, and so as we do that, how are we making sure when we're getting the, the resources they need it's not, um, and how are we helping them to navigate that um, healthfully? And um, yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the things that we, I, mean, I think I, this is probably about the, the part of the survey that I probably spend the most time with is we ask questions about like, what are my concerns um, or what, what do I want the church to talk more about? And they're too even longitudinally. Uh, it's not surprising that when asked those highest concerns for themselves, pretty well those have remained pretty high. There's usually always one every gathering that is kind of like this unique one that whatever is the conversation going on in the culture. But overall, the ones that we see a lot of connection to are my future, which you'd expect, uh, my faith, college, my friends and family. So kind of some of those five pillars, things that are always ways that we can talk about vocation, um, talk about decision-making, uh, talking about relying on Jesus, um, uh, walking with him through these major transitions in our life and those burdens and cares that we have on our hearts and minds. Uh, but those kind of areas, future, faith, college, friends, and family. Truly, some things don't change, yeah. right? <laughs> lots and lots of cultural change, uh, lots and lots of, of uh, places where we can see things different tracked over time. But at the end of the day, um, adolescents are really just concerned about the people that they love, yep. uh, the people that they, uh, what's going to happen next, where my vocation, which is God have in store for me. And um, those are questions that don't ever get old. I asked those questions when I was in high school <laughs> a long time ago, um, and, and I think they're true today. And so um, while uh, there can be a lot of things as youth leaders that we go like, I, I don't know how to address that. Uh, in the same way, there are a lot of things that we do know and can empathize with and sympathize with and, and, and draw from in, as we care for them. I mean, we do this kind of study really to keep a pulse on where young people are in the big picture. But data like this is really only helpful in pointing you in the right general direction. So um, while these are really broad strokes, you're going to see different things um, highlighted in your different um, communities and in your congregation with your young people. So it doesn't replace asking your young people good questions and listening well. Um, it's always good to spend some time not only looking at our data, uh, but talking with your young people about critical issues, choices that they're making, and places where they might be struggling. Um, where there's areas of concern this data highlights, we hope there's a lot to be joyful about. That <laughs> um, you hear some encouraging pieces in here as well. Um, we can clearly see that young people understand and believe our core theology. And many of them really report these really positive relationships with their church mm -hmm. and with their families and with uh, the adults around them in their congregation. Um, they're stepping into service and leadership. And we're grateful for how God continues to work in and through young people in our church. So as do some closing questions, as you hear this data, what kind of questions does this prompt you to ask your teens or young adults? 
Two, how can we address the rising numbers of young people who report, I don't know, to some key questions or who are wavering on issues of sexuality? And then how can we make sure that every young person has a congregation that's supportive with safe people to talk to in times of crisis or doubt? We will continue to keep you in your prayers as you take data like this, um, data from our research uh, with millennials, uh, and find ways to let it inform your youth ministry. We know that young people are facing challenges in our culture every day, just like we are as adults. Yeah. Uh, and we are grateful for you are there to walk alongside them. Angles Podcast is a production of LCMS Youth Ministry and KFO Radio. To find out more about LCMS Youth Ministry, to find links to resources mentioned, go to kfo.org slash youth ministry. Thank you for listening and caring for the young people of our church.